0: to make a bold declaration today by saying, uh, no, "Say it. this is my Bible, I am what it says I am, I have what it says I have, and I can do everything, absolutely everything, my Bible says I can do, by His Spirit, this is God speaking to me. Amen. All right, if you do do me a favor and open that up to the book of Jude, the book of Jude, which is right before Revelation, where we're going to be on Wednesday, the book of Jude. And uh, I want us just to look at this word from the Lord, and who would have thought, contend for the faith, that's what we felt the word, contend at the door of faith, and uh, how quickly Uh, things could turn. You know, the Lord spoke to me. Some of you have seen it online. Um, They had asked me to bring a devotion at uh, Corinth. And uh, if you haven't seen that, you want to look at that on Facebook. But um, when I was there, the Lord just started speaking to me about how that things could change quickly. And as they do, that it's our faith that sustains us through every season. It's the Lord that does, but it's our faith in the Lord that... Sustains us through difficulties. And that doesn't mean just wars or things that might break out, uh, you know, difficulties that might happen. Things like you think about our generation, what we have been through personally. We've been through 9-11. We've been through COVID and what was happening with that. We've been through um, uh, all kinds of things that, that we've had to deal with. You know, when we were kids, they made us do nuclear fallout drills. They don't do that anymore. How many of you remember nuclear fallout? Yeah, get under your desk and put your hands over your head, right? That's like going to stop the nuclear bomb from getting you, obviously. But, but you know, all the stuff that they taught us to do, that we had to deal with. Um, you know, we've dealt with, uh, we've dealt with incredible heat, incredible cold. We've dealt with hurricanes and tornadoes and all those different things. What is it that sustains us through all of that? It is our, it is our faith, and uh, that. Things happen in life and we don't always see those things coming. And you know, that's one of the things that the Lord told me to prepare you for was is that things are going to come that you didn't see coming, but it will be your faith that sustains you through that. All of them, not all of them will be bad things. There will be lots of good things that will happen as well that will take place. What did I do? My hand? Oh, I came out of my pocket. Thank you. I was wondering what you were doing down there, but it's the, even the good things, that your faith sustains you through those, because it's, it's that it's believing at that door of opportunity. and we talk about how that we're going to contend earnestly at the door of faith. That's where we're going to be fighting. That's, that's where our real warfare is. What's beyond the door uh, is only possible through faith and, and not fear. Fear will keep you from going through the door. Faith will get you where you need to go. Yeah. Amen. So faith is that vehicle in our lives that God uses and develops through His Word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so when, as Dr. Higgin used to teach us and that and, uh, still rings true today, that faith begins where the will of God is known. Yeah. That's where our faith starts. It always starts where the will of God is known. And uh, so that's where we always want to begin with. Where is my faith? Is what do I believe? is the will of God over my life. What do I believe is God's will over my life? And so um, I believe God wants you to prosper. I believe God wants you to be in health. Thank you for those three grunts. Uh, I believe God wants you to prosper. Now what does that mean? That doesn't mean you'll have everything that you want, but you definitely will have everything that you need. God wants you to prosper. The word prosper in Scripture that's used, it means to make it down the road. I believe you'll have all the resources you need to get where you need to go, where God is calling you to be. Amen. Regardless of the economy, you'll have what you need. Amen. You're not going to have to buy 50 boxes of ramen noodles and hide them in your basement so you'll be able to make it to the end. Those will kill you all by themselves, all right? Just saying. But, you know, God wants us to prosper. He wants us to be in health. He wants us to have good health in our bodies. Amen. He uses doctors to do that as well. But He wants us to be in good health. And He wants our soul to prosper. Our health and our prosperity will all be determined as our soul is prospering according to 3 John 2. So it's how we're prospering in our soul, in our mind, our will, and our emotions will determine how we are prospering Physically in this world, and in our health, in our physical health, so in, the, in our mental health as well. So, when we talk about this passage in Jude three, if you're there, say amen. amen, beloved. While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints he says for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God God and Lord Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ but I want to remind you though You once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed those who did not believe, the angels who did not keep their proper domain, and then he begins to go in about Sodom and all this destruction that happens. Now, what he wants us to understand from this is that when we stand at the door of faith, there's a process that we're going through. We're we're at the door. If you remember back, I talked about liminal space, liminal comes from the word liminus, which is a Latin term, which means threshold. We stand at a threshold, the threshold of faith. Every one of us is standing at a threshold of faith in our lives, every day of our lives. You know, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. What are they? New every morning, great is His faithfulness. So every day we stand at a new threshold. You say, well, yesterday was a really... Lame day. But it's a new day today. So, what are you going to do? You're going to live yesterday out again today, or are you going to stand in the new that God has for you today? In that place of liminal space, or that threshold of space that you and I stand in, we can either go forward in faith or stay stagnant in fear. We go forward in faith or stay stagnant in fear. And uh, fear is a real thing, and it does. Think of the stagnation that it causes. You ever talk to somebody that's afraid to fly in an airplane? They don't fly on airplanes. So they're not going to go very far. Right? Because they're afraid of an airplane. They're afraid of what could happen, that the plane could, they're they're afraid they could die on an airplane. Um, I battle at times, claustrophobia was really funny, because we went down in the catacombs, in Alexandria, and uh, so you have to go down these stairs that just kind of wind down, it looks like a well, And uh, you just keep going down, down, down. I kept thinking about Johnny Cash's song, you know, going down, down, down. (laughs) Anyways, and uh, we just kept going down, and then we're way, way, way down underground, and the air is totally stagnant. I thought it would be cooler, but it was not cooler. And we're all the way down underground, and then, you know, I'm tall, so the ceilings are lower, and I'm having to bend down to get in there, and there's people all around you. Well, let me just tell you, if you deal with claustrophobia at all, That is not a great environment to be in, okay? I feel like you're smothering in that environment. But I had to keep reminding myself, see, if I'm going to enjoy where I'm at, I have to go forward in faith, not allow fear to rob me in the circumstance I'm in right now. Because there's all kinds of things that I can learn and see and do, but if I allow my fears to dictate the decisions that I make, then what's going to happen? I'm going to miss out on opportunity. And that's exactly what this year is. It's a year of opportunity. It's a year of opportunity. And uh, You think about when, when, when everyone starts talking about the economy's bad. People don't think about... Well, what was it? What could I do? What could I do to advance? What could I do to prosper? What could I do? What new ideas could I come up with? You know, uh, back in 2008, you remember during the recession, how bad that I mean, it was. A bad, it was a bad time. I mean, everybody was going through it, and the, our finances were struggling. Our church was struggling. Sharon and I, we were struggling, believing God. But you know, also in 2008, they released this, and it changed The world, the iPhone was created in 2008. So, you know, we don't typically think of that many of the great things that we deal with in life today that are inventive came out of times of great difficulty that were going on in the world. Why? Because people were in faith and they were not in fear, saying, well, we can't do that right now. Well, let's wait for an opportune time. I love this passage in the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, and it just kind of ties into what you, what Dakota was sharing earlier. It says that if you observe the rain, yeah. if you observe the rain and you observe the weather, you will not sow. Yeah. You will not you will not sow. Because you'll always you ever done that? Like we're gonna go on a picnic tomorrow, and you look at the weather, I wonder what the weather's gonna be like, and if they say storm's coming, what do we do? We plan not to go. Right? And have we ever in the state of Michigan been told something was coming, and it never came. Well, I'm just wondering, have we, ever, have we ever been told bad storms coming, lightning and rain and all this stuff, and so we cancel plans because we are observing something else instead of our dream. Instead of our dream of what we wanted to accomplish. And so uh, we can let that stagnate us, and it can become a great difficulty. Jude writes this to by the Spirit of God to encourage the church that, look, there are difficult things that are happening. There are people creeping in, there are people doing things, and as they're doing that, he says, I find it necessary to exhort, encourage you, you're going to have to fight for your faith. And so I believe we're not going to have to fight for Christianity, we're going to have to fight to keep our faith. Faith in healing, faith in you know, we're going to have to keep our faith that God is with us no matter what. No matter how He said He'd never leave us. He would never forsake us. And I'm sure that you found that to be true already in your life, that there are things that are happening that you're just like, well, you know, I just believe that God is with me no matter what. God's going to help me. So, sharing all that is our word from the Lord. Now, I talked with you a couple of weeks ago a little bit about activating your faith and how to do that. I want you to go back to the book of... Luke with me, Luke chapter 3, and I'm just doing a little bit of review, and then we'll go a little bit further. We're not going to get real far into this, but we'll go a little further. They boo me in the second service when I say I'm going to have to cut this short. And you guys cheer me, so I'm not real sure what that's all about. But anyways, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. So Luke chapter 3. And it's a, it's a passage that you're very familiar with, and it really is talking about when Jesus was baptized, all right? And it tells us that, you know, he did no miracles until after his baptism. And his faith was what got his purpose, his divine purpose, was activated was activated after his baptism. And I want you to see this process of activation that took place. Now, He was always the Son of God, but He laid aside all of His Son of God privileges, obviously, according to the book of Philippians 2. But what happens here is, is that it says that when, verse 21, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while He prayed, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are My beloved Son, and you... I am well pleased. And so we talked about the first two things, and I don't have time to go into all the detail of this, but number one, how important identity is in faith. How important identity is in faith. That if we do not understand our identity, we cannot understand our authority. Without identity, you cannot understand authority. There are things that you know you can do, and you have authority, because of what you identify. You know who you are. You say, I'm, you know, I'm Tia. You go to the bank. You know you can withdraw money out of an account you put money into because you know who you are. Everybody with me? The same is true spiritually for us. When we know who we are, our identity becomes the key for our faith to be, un, to be, our, to be released within our lives. That's why the enemy constantly hammers you about your identity. Because if he can rob you at that first level of identity, well, God's not going to do that in your life. God doesn't want to do that. You can't have that. You can't be that. You can't take authority over that. Because what is he after? He's after your identity. To say you are not, you do not have what you think you have. You cannot do what you think you can do. And so in that process, what we have to come back to is recognizing that the first part of activating my faith is knowing who I am in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I had a, um, there was a Episcopalian gentleman that was on this trip and we did, we had a great opportunity uh, to minister to people kind of behind the scenes and uh, so we, this, this man and his wife and uh, had an opportunity to talk with them a little bit about that. And one of the things, you know that, and you know that we fall into this with any kind of religious environment, doesn't matter whether it's Episcopalian or Catholic or it's Methodist or it's Pentecostal, that we can fall into this trap that our identity is based off what we do instead of our identity is based off who, of what God did, okay. See, it changes everything. We're coming to God from a place of love, not to get love. That changes everything for you and I. When we recognize that we're coming to God and we are fully accepted by God, that God wants us there with Him, And even though our brain may be saying, no, he doesn't, look how bad you were, look what you did, we're declaring the word of God that says I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new, that it actually, it it begins to lead us away from the wrong identification to the new identification. Now, here's here's something really powerful uh, that the Lord spoke to me on the airplane. He said, identity creates culture. What you identify with creates the culture around you. Alright, so some of you are in my age category, and if you were raised during the 60s and 70s, you identified with a certain culture that was out there. Now, you know, you had your culture that you had people that identified with, you know, the the old time, the, the, the very strict Environment where you had white walls around your ears and your hair was trimmed short and you wore suits to church and you, you had a certain look that you lived by and a certain way that you conducted yourself and uh, because your ident what you, the group you identify with, is the culture that you live. Well, I hung out. My identity was a, was a bunch of long haired, drug smoking. Goofballs. Alright? And you let me just tell you, you will never see a man with white walls around his ears in a black suit and black tie hanging out with people with long hair and tie-dye shirts and blue jeans and no shoes. Why? Our music even had its own culture. Right? You know, the rebellion culture. We're we're anti-social. We're, you know, the social establishment and all the I know I, I, I can't really talk about the eighties because I'm not a product of the eighties. I'm a product of the sixties and seventies. But but you understand how that your what you identify with creates the culture, the level of expectation that you live in your life. When we understand by faith that we are that the that what God my cult my culture I, it, what I'm believing for in my life is that my culture reflects a Christ identity, right. Right. not a church identity, because right. right. I don't know what the identity of the church is right now. I mean, we're all different. We're eclectic. You know what that means? We're just like a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit of everything. Right? I mean, I don't care if people wear blue jeans to church. I don't care if they wear t-shirts. I don't care if they you know, have an electronic Bible. I don't care if they have a paper Bible. None of that. Does that really matter? I, to me, we're eclectic. We have all kinds of different things that are going on within the church. What, we ident- what we've got to identify with is, is that my identity is buried in Christ. It's in Christ Jesus is where my identification was. And I want to live a culture... I want to live a culture that ties to that identity. And to me, that's a victory culture. That's a devil-defeating culture. <laughs> You're making me work awful hard. That is a devil-defeating culture that realizes it has authority and that no matter what happens, we have faith that we can release into circumstance. It may not change overnight, but eventually we win out in the end because Christ wins out in the end. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. And that's good news for us. That's what, we, that's what he's talking about contending for the faith. So that first part of that, that realizing that under the difficulties that we deal with, the things that are going on, if our identity is not solid, it will fail. Our faith will fail. And I talked to you a little bit about, like I said, I'm going to run out of time here, but, but in Mark chapter 4, You'll remember that when Jesus was teaching about the word, and he says, The sower sows the word, he says, And these are seeds that fell on hard ground, and they didn't do anything. That seed was devoured, it was gone. It was was a total loss. But he says, There are seeds that fell on uh, on, uh, stony ground, and on that rocky ground, what happened was it received, that ground received it with joy. Oh, glory! That's awesome! That's tremendous! But then affliction and persecution, according to what Jesus said, came not because of the person, because of, it came because of the word. And as soon as that word became afflicted and persecuted, it withered away. It didn't last. It had no enduring power. Your faith will not last unless it's buried in an identity because that verse says to us in Mark 4, 16 and 17, it says that they had no root in themselves. And if we are not rooted deep in Christ and the love that Christ's for us and what Christ has done for it, what He has provided for our lives, then our faith cannot endure through whatever we're facing because it will wilt under the affliction and the persecution Against that word, said, so, "Well, what does that look like?" That means, let me put it in a better context. Whatever you're believing God for, there's stuff coming to say it ain't going to happen. That's what it looks like. You're never going to get healthier. You're never going to get better. You're never going to get broke break free from poverty you're never going to break free from being in debt you're never ever you know this is what the enemy does and that's the affliction and the persecution of the word that you hear in this church and when you hear that word the enemy wants to make sure it doesn't go too far so he afflicts and persecutes that before it Because once that becomes rooted in deep inside of you, then your identity changes. And when your identity changes, you say, look, I'm not putting up with this nonsense. This is going to change, and I'm just going to rejoice until it does. That's good preaching, Pastor. Amen. Faith without identity fails under pressure. And this was something I shared this a couple weeks ago with you. This was something I had never heard about. I mean, I just didn't know that. I just thought, well, we just read what God said and we just believe. You know, I've kind of followed the the Baptist philosophy. The Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, that sounds great. But if your identity is not rooted in Christ and what he has done, and like I was sharing with this Episcopal brother, I said, look, it's not about what you do every week in church or what you're doing. It's about what Jesus did for you. This is the transformative power of God is what Jesus, we don't come to God based off how good we have been. We come to God based off how good Christ has been. He said, you know, I've never heard it like that before. I said, well, it's true. And he had a revelation. It was awesome. I mean, you, you saw the lights come on and how excited that was. So, and that was in Corinth actually where that happened. Now look at this next part of this verse in, 30, 20, um, in uh, chapter 3. You're my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. In you I am well pleased. So the second part of this is the affirmation that God brings. The encouragement. Do you know that all the angels of heaven stand with you when you stand? Did you know the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit stand with you when you stand? Did you know that there's a great cloud of witnesses that stand with you while you stand? People like, if you read Hebrews, people like Abraham and people like Sarah, people uh, like Elijah, people that stand with you. Even people, and I love this in Hebrews, I don't have time to turn to it this morning, that stand with you that never even received the promise in their lifetime. You know, there are people that never saw the promise come to pass. Even Moses never really saw the promise come to pass. He only got to see it from the top of a mountain. But yet he still believed. Never let that change his faith at all. That affirmation, in whom I am well pleased, is the recognition that I do not stand alone. You know there are people in this church that stand with you. I stand with you. Thank you. There are others that stand with you. I mean, I can't know everybody's need. Thank God. I'm not God. Thank God I'm not God. But you know, when people have needs and they're going through tough times, they need people to stand with them. They need to realize, and this is so important. Um, in fact, it's so important, I'm just going to stop with it this morning. They need to realize that even though you're going through difficulty, it has nothing to do with with whether God is pleased with you or not. That's right, That's right. And this is why Christians for years said, something's going bad, what did I do wrong? God is not teaching you right. through bad stuff happening to your life. Now you may make choices that bring bad things into your life, But, you know, look, when my kids were bad, I never took them out and said, look, you've been bad today, I'm going to take your eyeballs from you and make you blind. Or I'm going to take your hearing from you. Or I'm going to give you cancer and kill you because you didn't obey me as a father. That is just absolute nonsense. In whom I am well pleased. When we allow our lives... When we begin to base our lives off of our circumstances, we will always, always fail. Because that will always speak to us about that God is not pleased with us and that's why this is happening. God is not pleased. And uh, I know, we, you know we've, we've, we've just, it's like the guy that came to our church, I was doing a funeral, I forget whose it was, but he was my neighbor. I had led his wife to the Lord and, and uh, was working on him. And he walked in and said, well, I'm here today for this funeral. And the roof hasn't caved in on me yet, so I must be okay. See, that's the mentality of the natural man. God is so displeased with me that he might make the roof of the church fall on my head. <laughs> right? Because I'm such a bad person. And so what I try to convey to him is that it's not about what you do. It's not about what you did. It's about what Christ did for you. God is not trying to punish us. There is a punishment coming. I'm not saying that that's not true. But it's not going to happen on this planet. That happens in the eternal judgment. But what you and I, what we are to have to understand in our faith is one that's rooted in our identity, And second, it's rooted in that God is pleased with us. You know, if I grabbed you and said, I just want to prophesy to you that God is so pleased with, oh, he is so happy about what you're doing. He's so pleased that you're his child. Right away, our insecurity in and of ourselves starts rising to the surface and says, Oh, I, I wish I could believe that or thank you for saying that, but you know, it's just, well, I know who I am. Yeah, that's right. You know the wrong person. Yeah, God accepts you and is pleased with you. My kids, uh, you know, there have been times that like they would be like, I didn't want to tell you what I was doing because I knew you'd be disappointed in me. And I said, look, don't ever mistake disappointment for how I feel about you. You're my kid, and I will always love you. You can screw your whole life up. I'm still going to love you, and you're still my kid. That's right. Amen, yeah. I'm stuck with you. <laughs> you're stuck with me? But you, you get my point? And we've all felt that way probably with our parents. At one time, I don't want to tell them, and I know they'll be disappointed. they would just be so... Well, one, the Father knows all that about you and has already decided to not be disappointed and to to not reject you. Yes. How does that affect your faith? I'm standing at the door contending for my faith, and here are some things that I've got to work out. Who am I? And what does God think about me? Stand up with me if you want this help you today at all hallelujah thank you father father god i pray this morning lord i i know that all of us in our lives that uh, we hear your truth and it is definitely the truth that makes us free But Lord, all the other stuff that we've believed in our lives that combats that truth. Things people have said to us, coaches have said to us, teachers have said to us, parents have said to us. And Lord, the stuff we've said to ourselves. Father God, I just know by your Holy Spirit that you're drawing us into a depth of who you are and what you have and what you want to do in our lives. Father, I pray for the one that's in a battle today. Lord, a real battle. A battle for life. A battle for their family. That Lord, they sense the great cloud of witnesses that stand with them for their family. And they sense, Lord God, that heaven is on, that heaven takes that serious. That you, Lord God, take that serious and stand with them. That they don't, Lord, stand alone. But you stand with them. Father, I pray today, Lord God, for the one that's battling health and struggling with pain. Lord, that they come to the realization that this is not you causing that pain in their life, but it's just the the things of life. And God, that you are the one who can relieve all pain and bring peace and comfort in Jesus' name, Lord God. Lord, may there may may, uh, may we not walk away from the truth that you've conveyed in your word, Lord God, because of false ideology that we've come to believe. That you accept us, don't reject us. That you want us well, and prospering in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. I'm going to ask Dakota and our prayer team if you guys would come and and uh, those who are going to pray this morning and and look if you if you need prayer this morning I know Dakota is going to bring this up again but don't leave here without getting prayer today I just absolutely